This podcast contains explicit content. A hardly focused production. That you um you had hardly focused. Do you like hot fudge Sundays? I love that guy. Yeah. Part of the Solid Listen Podcast Network. How funny, how hilarious, how highly, highly humorous. <laughs> Dissecting the news one tangent at a time. When there's nothing left to burn, you have to set yourself on fire. everybody welcome to hardly focused uh, hello mike tarara hello and hello to our special guest on the show chris paget aka charlie from the sandbox hello thank you for uh joining us um sure from the comfort of i'm going to guess the north shore of massachusetts unless you are mm. somewhere else in the union tonight no same place i'd never leave i i Still highly, highly respect you. The the last, the first and last time you came out for the podcast, you actually physically came out to my neck of the woods. Oh my God, you're right, I did. Yeah, and that is... Um, oh, what a nightmare. Where are you? Yeah, it was like an hour and a half drive. You you live in the middle of nowhere. That's right. And then, I'm also very much a North Shore elitist, for those of you that don't live in Massachusetts. <laughs> the North Shore is above Boston. The South Shore is below Boston. And then... Anything west is like the metro west. So Jack is west. I'm north. Mike, where are you? I am north of him in okay. Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So like uh, us North Shore people, like you know, South Shore people love the South Shore. Us North Shore people love the North Shore. And, you know, we each have our own superiority complexes. Anything west of like Newton, it's like, what is what even is that? <laughs> yeah. I. It's the Rocky Mountains, apparently. Yeah. I now experienced it uh, firsthand myself because then I went up to your place, Chris, uh, earlier this year. And uh, by the time I got there, I'm like, wow, I have so much more respect for him for making that trek out a few years ago because now yeah. I have to come up here. It's go. not fun, dude. It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not fun. This is why I never leave. And we got a dog and uh, the dog has tremendous separation anxiety issues. Um, so I've basically been home since mm-hmm. July. Is that, uh, forgive me, is that Bubbles or a different dog? No, Bubbles, uh, we haven't had Bubbles for a while. We got, we Aww. adopted a dog in July of this year. His name is Roscoe. You might be able to see him over my shoulder on Aww. the bed. There he is. Roscoe. Um, usually this is asshole o'clock, but I took him outside and he zoomed around a little bit and had, he's got a belly full of food, so he should be good. Yep. I, I, uh, know that feeling with my dogs last week i locked them out of the studio and then had to endure an hour of um panic mm-hmm. sheer pandemonium before they finally just gave up and said oh, we'll just go yeah. on the couch and sleep i guess yep yeah. that's what we do um so uh i refer to you as charlie from the sandbox because uh you hosted a morning show here in boston for uh not long enough, honestly. Uh, it was called The Sandbox. It was on a radio station that uh, I miss very dear, very much. It was uh, very dear to my heart, even though uh, Mike and I worked for the competition. But that was 1017 WFNX. Um, I really don't think there's any other radio station that's like it. Nope. And your show, I, I've said this before, I'll, uh, I'll mention it again. Your show, I would listen to 
while screening phone calls for, <laughs> for the other show. Yeah, the show that you were going <laughs> one of the shows you were going up against in that demographic and in, in <laughs> Yeah. And and there would be times where like I'd answer the phone for for Hillman and then I get confused as to whatever the person on the phone was talking about because I'm like, they're not talking about that right now. Not, uh, yeah. Oh sure. wait. They are. Yeah. Uh, Hillman doesn't do the mega robo thunder phone query. <laughs> wow, good memory. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, we had well, we got a friend named Kevin Begley who at the time was working for Jonesy's Jukebox, which was a radio show hosted by Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols. And that was on Indy 103 in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And he would listen to the podcast while he was doing Jonesy's Jukebox. <laughs> So it was a very, it was a very similar like experience for him. Um, but he was at least he could pause and come back to it. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, that was you saying that that radio station was unlike any other. You're absolutely right. Like, um, yeah, I worked for all different kinds kinds of radio stations over the years, and they were teeny tiny mom and pops, kind of like FNX was, um, and then like major corporations. I worked for, worked for Cox Broadcasting at one point. And that radio station and the stuff we got away with there, um, it was the Wild West. Like, we threw two people and me and Private Snowball in a van and drove across the country in, like, a rented minivan. And they literally signed, like, a one-sheet, like, PDF, like, contract that was mm -hmm. basically, like, if we die, it's not the radio station's fault. <laughs> Whereas, you know, any, like, legitimate corporation, you know, there would have been lawyers involved and multiple documents and, like, you know, a whole thing. You're like, that nah, will be fine. Nobody yeah. died yet. It'll be good. Keywords. So, yeah. Keywords yet. Um, yeah, I'm not dead yet. Yeah, FNX. I feel happy. FNX was unique in that up until 2012, it was independently owned, and it was one of the few at that point, one of the few independent radio stations left because everything is. It's either now it's either iHeart or Odyssey or um, Cumulus. It's it's you can count on one hand, I think all the conglomerates, the major conglomerates out there and yeah. only, uh, and it showed too. I mean, we had no budget for anything, you know, everything was, well, who can we sign on to sponsor? So we actually have a budget for this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, especially toward the end, like after we left, like, like it got grim, like it was like, like national grid showed up with two guys in hard hats and like a, a police officer to turn the power off like in the building and the program director at the time had to write them a personal check out of his own bank account or the balance to literally keep the lights on at the radio station. Oh, um, so yeah, there was, there was a lot of mismanagement. Uh, I mean, over the course of the life of the radio station, but especially toward the end, it got real bad. Yeah. So, yeah. It was rough. When the sandbox left, and that was at the very beginning of 2010, um, and uh, I remember I was I was working at the radio station that morning. I was working at AF that morning, and I remember um, I I informed everybody there, hey, the the sandbox ended I and mean, it's it's gone. They, they those guys were let go today, and um, or Spaz turns around, and looks at me, and just goes, yeah, you should apply, you should take your job. <laughs> And, uh, and, and young eager me was like, Hey, sounds like a great idea. But, um, uh, am I right in that 
Um, he is now running for like city council in Revere or was running for city council in Revere. Is that the same dude? Uh, yes. Um, Mike, okay. did Mike, did you know that? I think I heard vaguely heard that like kind of like a, yeah, sprinkling. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, well, I think the election happened already and Spaz did not uh, win. I think he came in like third. I think he came in like sixth place out of five people. Out of five, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but... uh, I somehow voted against myself. (laughs) One for Martin, two for Martin. Reject me to count again, Bart. Uh, Yeah, um, that when when you guys left FNX, that was just a a weird... You're right, it was a weird time, um, because I, again, I would... It wasn't just your show. I listened. I would listen to that station, like, religiously, especially working AAF events, Mike, you can attest to this. We would sit in the van. We would drive around the AAF van listening to FNX. Yeah. It wouldn't be BCN ever. It would be FNX. (laughs) And it was just, it was such a, I remember like weekends especially were just bizarre because they were doing this like for like six months, they were doing this weird promotion that, or not promotion, but like thing on air where, like they would play, it was like an A to Z type thing. They'd play a song from like a band and then like the listener would quote unquote text in to then like pick the second song. And you, it was always like out of two possible songs that you could pick. Yeah. And they would always play the first one. So it's like, well, your choices are, uh, it's like, okay, so we played Wonderwall by Oasis. So your choices are don't look back in anger or don't look back in anger. So it was just a, it, it was, I think you guys were there in the golden era, not just the golden era for that station, but for that genre of music. Well, and there was just there and that, you know, there was so much in hindsight, there was just so much fumbling around with that place forever. Cause I worked there twice and the, we didn't even know how to put it in words. I, I mean, other, other than the word fumbling, just nobody ever really got a fair shot to put their stamp on it and really figure it out. You're right. And, you know, of course, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and, you know, from 10,000 feet and all the cliches, like blah, 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 you know, they, they kept trying to overshoot and to be, you know, they wanted to play with BCN. They wanted to be like with the big boys and, I mean, you know, and AAF was, you know, a solid second out of, you know, one, two, three, BCN, AAF, FNX. And it kind of probably fell that way, too, in terms of like budget and staff and resources. You know, BCN obviously had, you know, at one point in time, like infinity money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and FNX just had it was it it was a third world country. I mean, it just we had no resources. Um, nobody wanted to work for the money that they were paying, except for the handful of people that had been there since, you know, since the inception, like Henry and Julie. Mm-hmm. Um, but so many people just came and came and went and they just never gave anyone a chance to just lock in and guide it. And, you know, the fact that it survived 2008, especially with a, you know, four person morning show, um, you know, was a borderline miracle, Mm. um, you know, that we made it to early 2010 was, was pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, 
but it was just, you know, it was, it was, you know, that, that, you know, baseball team that has a new manager every two years or the, you know, the NFL team, you know, they fire the coach after a year and a half. That's what it was. It was just like, well, this, you know, the ratings still suck. Like bring it like, no, embrace the suck, like embrace the bad ratings, stop chasing McDonald's money, mm-hmm. you know, go to every mom and pop car dealership and take money from them. You know, it's a grassroots political campaign. You know, Bernie Sanders funded his campaign off of five dollar donations. And that was even like a running joke at one point, which I think might have actually worked. Turn it into fucking NPR. Just like take donations from listeners. Yeah. Like if we had had like fund drive weekends instead of doing like, you know, text in Wonderwall, text in, you know, especially now, like, you know, with Apple Pay and stuff. If we had asked people for money. People would have sent money to that radio station. Oh, because absolutely. You know, like as you guys know, like you know, the people, the fans of that radio station were fans. Like they were fanatics. Di- yeah, diehards. Yeah, loyal. right. Loyal. Yeah, that and is one of, that should be in like um like broadcasting one hundred and one, a P one. Yeah, the FNX listeners. That that is the definition of a P one. You know, at one point in time, like, you know, all the research and you, know, you got to pay for all the research. Stuff, but one of the things that and they hung on to it was at one point in time, FNX had their listenership was the um, highest earning listenership of any radio station in Boston. So, you know, you know, it's just, again, you know, hindsight, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um it's just there had been one person charismatic enough to lock in and really take the reins and guide it. You know, I don't think it would have made it to now, but I think it would have made it a lot longer and had been, you know, more successful, would still exist in some way, shape or form. Um, you know, I mean, like EQX is still around. Yeah. And that's, a you know, um, you know, medium to small market, independently owned alternative rock station. When rock music is dead, somehow they're still around. Yep. You know, and um, so, and uh, not dead. No, <laughs> I don't know if they're locally owned or if the company that owns them is um, like one could consider them a conglomerate or even just like one of those like corporations that owns just you know clusters of radio stations in cities that people have never heard of, but then there's 96 X down in Hampton roads, Virginia. Is that still around? That is still around. No shit. That was the station I listened to when I was, you know, a teenager going driving down to Virginia beach. Yeah. I just, uh, cause I follow some of their, um, on air people on Instagram and the, the lady that does, I believe she does the midday shift there, but she just started voice tracking, mornings at like some other old, old station i think maybe huh. like texas which is nice i mean that's that's you know that that's a gonna look great on a on a broadcaster's uh, resume but and then there there there's this kid uh nick chappelle i think is his name and he's been there i i'm i think he's been there for like 20 years now and huh. i was following him on, on on instagram for a while and he is the definition of disney parent Oh like, God! Like every post is about Disney. Dude, dude goes to Disney with his family like twice a year, and is always somehow finding something new and exciting to do. And I'm like, this is too much, man. I respect you. I respect your your. Uh, I respect what you do as a broadcaster. I can't handle that much Disney. I'm sorry, dude. I can't I'll be damned. Ninety six X is still there. Yep. Look at that. W R O X website right now. Yeah, Mike. Their their call letters are literally W R O X. 
That's amazing. 30 years. Oh, they carry the Woody show. Oh, God. Do they now? Oh, wow. I didn't know that. They they, they had a, a period of time uh, around the time that the, the Sandbox was around. That station was carrying um, Opie and Anthony in the morning. And they were like ONA's like last like affiliate before they left FM. Like their syndication collapsed oh, no so kidding. so poor. It was so bad that that station was the last one to carry them outside of New York. So it was Opie and Anthony, oh, wow. and then Man Cow, and then oh, oh my god, is he still around? No, no, not anymore. Um, no, really? Yeah, he he retired during the pandemic. Um because huh. he was on the Loop out in Chicago which suffered yep. the same fate as WAF. They, they also, before AF got purchased by uh, Ned Flanders FM, the loop. Fuck them. Yep. Fuck them so hard. <laughs> <laughs> so Mancal went to WLS and then like was there for like 10 months and then the pandemic happened and he's like, I'm, I'm not doing this. I can't do, I can't do this three hours a day. So, well, that Ned Flanders FM ruined my, uh, my lottery plan which was if I won like the billion dollar Powerball, yeah. um, there's a small station up here called North Shore 1049. Oh, yeah. And my plan was to buy North Shore 1049 and basically hire all my FNX friends back. Oh, hell so, yeah. like give Julie Kramer a job. Henry's not going to leave GBH or like whatever. But like, you know, like bring in Ty, like whoever wants to do a shift basically. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they sold to stupid uh, Ned Flanders FM, whatever it's called. <laughs> well, uh, they, they, they had like competition too, because there's the Educational Media Foundation, which is what purchased AAF. And then there's Air One, which is their competition. Even even the religious radio, there's like cutthroat competition. Of course there is, because so, it's late stage capitalism. Um, Mike, you'll, uh, you might appreciate this. Uh, remember Donnie from Three Olives? Yes. He, for, uh, I don't think I, it's right to say a brief period of time. I think it was a couple of years. He co-hosted the morning show on 104.9. Wow. Oh, yeah. No, no I, I do know that. Yes. And yes. he's doing something and it's, and it's. I like how that's still his name, Donnie Three Right. And it, take it with a, with a grain of salt because that guy's all over the place. He's literally just bouncing off the walls. But he had purchased, Chris, their entire on-air studio like the equipment and in his home, like rebuilt the studio. Oh, that's hilarious. From that radio station. He was going to start up like a podcast, but he was going to do it using all of their equipment right down to the console, like the table, like yeah. everything, like literally picked up the innards of the studio and transplanted it into his house and was having like one of their engineers hook it all up for him. Like London that's bridge wild. over in Arizona. Now just moved it all over. 100%. 100%. He's even got the mic flags up. Like he's not going to, he's not going to switch those out. What is three olives? Is it a restaurant? No, it's, uh, a, it's, uh, it's uh, flavored vodkas. Ah, okay. Yeah. I remember I had a, uh, a large bottle of fruit loops flavored vodka oh. that I, I got for oh. free from Donnie. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I was young and naive and didn't know any better. Oh. Let's put it that way. God almighty. Nope. <laughs> now, uh, with, in 2010, early 2010, did, did the station management at the time, or or the the entity? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say the entity, and entity being the person who who came in and you know made changes. Did were they not aware of just the fan following that your show had when they they saw the number of people that showed up on Exchange Street like the next day? 
to to rally to get you guys rehired? Uh, I don't I don't think so. I think Tierney lived in Tierney Land, Tierney Vegas, mm-hmm. um, and just had blinders on to anything that didn't have to do with him and his wife. Ugh. Um who did something in the record industry. I forget what her role was, but um, no, no, it was, I'm going to, you know, shape this into the thing. And that was, you know, forever the problem with that radio station and with that ownership was the, you know, the ownership itself was very hands-off. They never came out there. They never really thought about it. They were more concerned with, you know, uh, with the, you know, running the Boston Phoenix and the other satellite Phoenix Eye. Um so no, so they just turned it over to him and, you know, he immediately started to kind of like mess with us. And, you know, it, again, you know, if I were a more fully formed human being, the fully formed human being that I am now, um, you know, I wish that I had done a better job of standing up to him mm-hmm. um, because he was both a bully and an idiot, which, you know, usually go hand in hand. Sure. Um, and you know, we had this, you know, we did, uh, I think it was Pop Trash that Fletcher did. No, 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 no. It wasn't Pop Trash. It was uh, Fletcher's music review. And it was like one of my favorite segments. And Fletcher was so good at it. And it was always so funny and so fun. And it was fun to put together. And we enjoyed the hell out of it. And that was, you know, that old adage of, you know, do stuff for you mm-hmm. that you find funny and interesting and you know other people will find it funny and interesting and that's exactly what it was and we would have these interminable epic air checks with this dickhead and we did the music review and you and it was everything you know he would pick a metal record and he would pick a pop record and you know a christmas album and whatever and tyranny was like you know well why are you talking about this metal record and fletcher's just like Cause it's funny and like fun and it's interesting. And, you know, Tierney was just like, I, I don't think it's funny. And it was just like, well, then it's not for you. Yeah. Like, you know, like who, who died and made you the arbiter of funny. Right. Um, and, you know, and again, the fully formed person that I am now that I wasn't at the time, I wish I had been to have actually said that out loud to him instead of being like, Oh my God, I need this job because I have young children to feed. Um, so so, yeah, so it was basically just and that was, you know, part of the problem with that radio station full stop was they would just chuck some new dickhead in there to like, you know, mix things up. I mean, the same thing happened with Keith got there. I'm sure I'm sure people were mad that they let the morning. They, people were mad that they let the morning guy go that we replaced. Um, oh, but yeah. at the same time, like so much stayed the same. Henry was always there. Yep. Julie was always there. Like, you know. Uh, so. Why weren't you doing those air checks with tugboat? Why were you doing them tyranny? Oh, because he had to do everything. Like he, uh, he, he had to have, have put his fingers in everything and he was the puppet master. And, you know, uh, I obviously wasn't there because it was like seven o'clock at night <laughs> and he was still there and was like complaining to Paul Driscoll, who was, was there at seven o'clock at night. Cause that was a shift was complaining to Paul Driscoll, like, you know, hey, man, like all the radio stations I worked at before, like people hung out all day. And Paul was like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Like these guys have like lives and like Charlie has a family. 
Uh, they get here at five in the morning. They're not going to fucking hang out here for 14 hours a day. Yeah. And I think it was like, you know, he had, he, you know, he didn't have a kids. His wife traveled a lot for work, so he had nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. So he was like, well, I'm here. Why isn't everybody else here? You yeah. Know? It's like, yeah, bro, it's not like that's not how it works. Like Julie would walk in at 945 and leave at 1015 because she'd been there for 25 years. Right. Yeah. The the people that I knew that worked in radio who would be there pretty much all day. um, It's because they didn't want to go home to. Sure. What you know, what they had painted as. Don't make me leave. Exactly. Certain certain individuals who who worked uh, on the morning show. Uh, and when I worked yeah. there the first time around, when I was 21, that was me. Like, I'd be there all day. Like, any day that I could be there, I was there. Yeah. You know, I, I was holding out other jobs, but like, because I, I fucking loved it. Like, I loved it there. Oh, yeah. But, you know, but at the time, I was, you know, what, however old I was, um, you know, 35, I guess. And like, you know, I, my kids were four and three. Like, I got to get home. My wife's been home with them all day. Right. Like, you know, Um. So, yeah, so, but that was just that, you know, and it wasn't like, I, you know, I shit on tyranny because he deserves it. Um, but also that was just the problem with that place all along. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, and that's, and we got fucked just as much. I mean, Keith got, Keith's the one that really got cornholed in that deal. Um, because like he was an FNX P1. It's in his yearbook. His high school yearbook. Yeah, like I mean, he, he was an FXP one. And he couldn't even pick up the radio station, like pre-internet. Like he would have friends record it and like send it to him. Yeah, um, and you know, like I don't even know how he would do it, but he would get like you know the playlists and everything. Um, so you know, he finally had this dream job, and like those, you know, the you know they took it away from him. Right, um, and and he got to because you know, he you sorry, but he worked with you guys down in Richmond, so. That's how the sandbox came together because you guys all right, worked together. Yeah, and this yeah. was his. So he put that whole thing together and like, and you know, he was, he was guiding it and putting a stamp on it. But the problem, and we had a great GM when we got there. Um, but of course he left because he wanted to make more money, you know, cause he was a sales guy and he wanted to make more money. Um, was that, was that Kurtz? So, you know, was that Gary Kurtz? God. Yeah. Good memory. I, and that was part of my problem with radio too, was I couldn't remember anybody's names. Well, Kurtz, like, Kurtz went over to intercom. He went, uh, he, he was at AF when I started working there in 2008. So yeah, um, he's a crazy person. Yeah. Um, I would love to know what he's up to now. Uh, <laughs> That's why it was just like, yeah, that was just the problem. But that was the problem with the radio station in general. And like the company in general was they just didn't let anybody couldn't keep people there long enough or didn't let people stay there long enough to because we finally as a radio as a radio show like we finally locked in you know those two years in whatever it was um and we were good like going back and because i have a ton of like you know because we recorded everything like i i still have all those podcasts and stuff and like going back and listening to some of that i'm like jesus this is good yeah Yeah. i every every once in a while i know you've put them up online and you know they come and go um and i think you've sent me like dropbox links too and i I might need Mm -hmm. to trouble you to do that again i was actually combing through the internet archive last night and oh funny a single a single broadcast from 2009 is all that's up there um and and in a couple of um uh music performances uh the dead confederate and then company of thieves Going back to why I think that was like the best era of of uh, alt 
rock music, indie music when, when you guys were mm-hmm. there. But, um, and I want you to tell a story. I think it's, I, I know it cause I'm a nerd and I know everything about nerd. Um, but it's, I want you to tell Mike the story about when you guys had that um, like epiphany moment early on in the sandbox's history when Jeff Garland came in. Yeah. Um, so we were, I don't even know how far it was into the show. And like, you know, I mean, Mike, you know how it is. Like you've been around radio enough where you're just like, you're desperate and like grabbing at straws and like, you know, it's just force, 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 force. And you're, you're trying to be funny and you're trying to make each other laugh and you're fake laughing. And it was just, and that's what we were doing initially. Um, and, and it was like, it was not fun. Um, but, but, you know, but any show like has to grow like that. So anyway, sorry. <laughs> so Jeff Garland, the comedian, comes in, and like I kind of knew who he was. Uh, Fletcher was a big fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like I recognized him just from like TV and stuff, and I think Ed knew him from Curb as well. Um, so he came in, and he's I mean he's physically he's just a big dude. So he's this big guy in like a trench coat, and he had it had snowed the night before. It was that there was that snowstorm in like two thousand eight. Um, when everyone got like stuck get, trying to get out of work and like all the school uh, buses. Remember that, remember that yep. one? Yep. Right. Yeah. Uh, that was the one that that's the snow. Everyone says 2015 broke Boston. No, that was the snowstorm that broke Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, so he came in, we were all a little frazzled and he was a little frazzled and, um, we just started talking to him. And initially we were, that's not even true. We were interviewing him. And as we were interviewing him, it kind of transitioned to we were talking to him. We were having a conversation and Jeff Garland was just kind of there. And I think him getting there was such a pain in the ass because of the snow because stupid Lynn was so far from Boston. He was like, oh, I fucking humped it all the way up here. I'm not going to come in and do seven minutes and leave. So I'm just going to hang out, Um, which we were thrilled. Which is I got to say, that's awesome. When it's just like, I'm here for my promo and in three minutes I'm gone. You're like, okay, and that sucks. You're like, Hey guys, I got nothing else to do. I'm just going to hang out for the, like four breaks. Yeah. A hundred percent. So yeah. he was, so he was cool, which, which really helped. Right. So, so we're just talking at this point and we're kind of like, you know, t- Fletcher's talking about curb and blah, blah, blah. And did Jordy or Gary come in? Jordy came in. So Jordy was a big fan. He was like the head sales guy mm-hmm. and he brought in, he had stopped on the way and grabbed a couple of boxes of Pop-Tarts. <laughs> and he just fucking waltzes into the studio, like the middle of a break. And we're like, Jordy, what the fuck are you doing? And he just dumps out a bag of Pop-Tarts. <laughs> and of course, you know, Garland's like, oh, great. Like, I love Pop-Tarts. So we're yelling at Jordy. And then we're talking to Garland about Pop-Tarts. And Fletcher just goes, put one of those in the microwave for 15 seconds and it will set you free. And Garland's face was like, what? He's like, put it in the microwave. So we got like the intern. Fletcher's like, intern, like put this in the microwave for 15 seconds and bring it back to Jeff. So the intern takes the Pop-Tart and puts it in the, to put it in the microwave. And then fucking Gary walks in. Like, again, still on the air, like red lights on. 
And Gary walks in. He's like, hey, how you doing? I'm Gary Kurtz. Like, nice to meet you. And we're like, Gary, we're like interviewing Jeff. He's like, oh, sorry. I'm a big fan. Blah, blah, blah. So it's just like it's borderline chaos. And then the Pop-Tart comes in and Garland's eating the Pop-Tart. And he's like, oh, you're right. Like, this is so good. Fletcher's like, see, I told you. And that was when like that's when like that was the epiphany. That was the breakthrough for us was stop talking at him and like just stop, talk to him and then like embrace the chaos you know like embrace the point nine rating embrace the suck like just embrace the chaos of this like nonsense building in this nonsense fucking town and like the nonsense drive you had to make here and like our crazy salespeople just like coming in and dumping pop tarts for him. oh and gary stole a pack of pop tarts from him oh <laughs> and we're like gary like you know bring back the pop tarts so that happens and then he's still hanging out because now he's eating pop tarts and is like happy um and we're <laughs> like, like we're alcohol. gonna do the w <laughs> i can't drive but, i've been eating pop tarts right yeah and he's like just like doesn't want to leave so we do we're doing the wtf line to wrap up the show which was like the voicemail line right yeah so we're playing it back and it's literally all people screaming about being stuck in their cars. Like this woman's like, I've been sitting in front of the MFA for six hours. Like I'm almost out of gas and I'm pretty sure I'm going to die here. And it, it, Garland's just like completely enthralled with the whole thing. And like halfway through the WTF line, Jeff just goes, can I just stop here for a second? I just want to tell you guys, this is the greatest morning show I have ever been on. And we were just like, what the fuck like this is awesome like this is the best and literally from that day and like even in the air check with keith afterwards he we were all just like that's it like we did it like that was it like that's that was the you know we cracked the code or whatever and like from that point forward you can literally listen to the podcast in sequential order from there and we immediately improved from that point forward um so yeah, so like I've been like a huge Jeff Garland fan ever ever since. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, but it, like that's what it took, and like and that's what sucks about it is there were so many of those moments at that radio station of like people suddenly figuring it out and then like getting blown out yeah. or like leaving for like more money, and it's like fuck, like they had just like you know Storm, like you know I don't know if you remember Storm and Birdsey. Uh, yep. Birdsy, but like <laughs> I remember Birdsy. You remember Birdsy? I'm sure. Yeah, right. Um, but like Storm had like figured it out. Like he had cracked the code. Like he came in and he was like too weird, and then he dialed it back a little bit, and he was just weird enough. And like he locked in, and then like you know, and then they like rammed him into this Storm and Birdsy nonsense and all this shit. Um, that's um. I would guess that's kind of like Fletcher's big, uh, big recent hire down there at uh, Big One Hundred, Paul Jackson, because he did the morning show. Right. Yeah. There. So he was one of the morning guys at FNX. Exactly. Right. Jackson, the pharmacist out of Providence. Yeah. Yep. And they, um, they very briefly before Jackson got that gig at Big One Hundred, taking <laughs> over for the the smartest guy in radio, Don Geronimo, acting like it's oh, still two thousand two. Um, just just before Jackson got that gig, he and uh, Brian Mulhern they they revived Jackson and the Pharmacist for oh get out for like no a way brief run yeah I don't I don't know I think it was on like I didn't realize people were still doing this in this in this day and age but it was on like a an internet station and like huh. I don't know if they ever like released any of the recordings as 
podcasts, but oh, interesting. They were doing it together for a while. Like Brian was very heavily promoting it on um, uh, on social media because I know he and he and Paul have been uh, very close ever since you know the one year of radio they did together at WFNX. Um, yeah, but because yeah. then Paul went to MMR and was there for twenty years or whatever. No, um, yeah. so, working for my former boss, Bill Weston. What I what I like those with the like with him, Paul and Brian, and then you and Ed and and Fletcher is that like there's a general a genuine rapport there, you know, and there's a genuine friendship there. And I always love seeing when you guys like get together, you know, when everyone travels to, to meet up and you get together and you always call it a sandbox reunion, but then just seeing everyone together yeah. again, it's like, I'm glad this still happens. I'm glad this is a thing. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, and that's reason number one, why I got by like, that's where my radio career ended was because it was just like, it's not going to get any better than this. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm working with my best friends and like, what am I going to do? Like, you know, I was in Vermont for like a year and a half working with people that I didn't know. And like, and they were fine and it was lovely and I liked them all just fine, but it just like, it just wasn't, yeah, right. you know, it just, was it just wasn't, it wasn't right. Like it just didn't, you know, it's Vermont. Um, <laughs> and it was also Vermont. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. sorry, the dog, the dog has decided to to hi i know i see you as it uh, but yeah goes. you're 100 percent right and like we're still and that's i mean we were friends first and co-workers second now um, i I and, I and still are i can't remember if you replaced him or if he replaced you up there at ncs jamie canfield neither we worked together at the same time okay um so jamie was the music director and doing nights i think when i was there um but no i i i am very 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 infrequently in touch with jamie still he's in like idaho i think yep that's right um he, he works for like a transportation company now he he got out of yep. radio and he's he's doing that because um now here's why i know jamie it just it just so happens it's a small radio world and that you guys know each other but jamie was the voice of DJ Adam first mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. the wave one Oh three in mm -hmm. grand theft auto vice city. So Mike, right. when you're cruising down ocean beach mm -hmm. in your, uh, uh, in furnace running over the old women put on wave one Oh three and there's Jamie Canfield. All right. Talk, talking about, uh, robots taking over the world in the future. <laughs> and an even in, in an even smaller, weirder world scenario, um, it turns out that I knew this at the time, but didn't do the math until well after the fact. Um, Ryko Disc used to be based out of Salem, and Jamie worked at Ryko Disc. Okay. Um, prior, I think, just before going to the point in Vermont. And I went to a lady's house to help her. I fix computers for a living now. And I went to a lady's house to help her with her computers. And I walk in, I'm like, there's there's all of this Zappa stuff and all of this NRBQ stuff in her house. I mean, it's like to the walls. And I'm like, wow, you like really like Zappa, huh? And she was like, well, yeah. She's like, I used to work for a record label that like redis re redistributed 
redistributed, right? Yeah. Um, Asking the wrong person. Of, I can't pronounce anything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like all of redistributed. His, all, redistributed. <laughs> redistributed. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Um, all of his music. And I'm like, Ryko disc. And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, do you know, Jamie Canfield? She's like, of course I know Jamie. It's like, we took a selfie together and I texted to Jamie. I'm like, look whose house I'm in. <laughs> um, nice. And then like, at, and so, and at the longer I've lived here, like, you know, people probably, like, I just helped a guy with his computer a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. And he was like, Oh, I used to work at a record company. I'm like, record disc. And he's like, yep. And I'm like, I know Jamie. And he's like, Oh no shit. Um, so like, there's still like those ghosts of Ryko disc around sailing nice. too. I didn't, uh, I didn't know he worked for Ryko disc. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I also so, didn't realize that Ryko disc was local. It's a small, yeah. They used to be over in Shetland park. It's a small, weird world. Paul who runs the record exchange here. Um, when they shut down in, you know, 19, whatever it was, early 2000s, um, that same dude whose house I with camp, I'm blanking on his name. I know where he lives, but I can't remember his name. Um, he let Paul in and was like, take whatever you want. And Paul's like, seriously? And he's like, yeah, here's some boxes. Like, go fucking nuts. And he was like <laughs> taking like two copies of like everything. Nice. Um, but yeah, they were over in Shetland Park for for a long time. Nice. Yeah, it's that- it's weird, man. It's just, it's a small weird industry. So the fact that you know who Jamie is is pretty wild. Yeah, if you uh, do, if you get a chance to talk to him again, just let him know you did you did this podcast with a Grand Theft Auto super fan who uh, could at one point probably recite the whole DJ script from that radio station. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yep there's his number. Um, I'll send him a text message when we're done here. That's hilarious. Hell yeah. Yeah. And he was in uh, uh, the lesser known Grand Theft Auto Vice City stories, which is arguably better than Vice City. Everyone knows Vice City. People forget that it has a uh, prequel game, but he was in that as well. It's, it's, it's fascinating because, I mean, Rockstar Games, I know you said don't talk about video games, but here we are. But it's oh, it's relevant because Rockstar Games is based out of New York and Lazlo, who's the, he's not there anymore, but he was the guy that would set up all this stuff. But he would he would just reach out. He knew, apparently he knew everybody in, in like New York, Tri-State, New England Radio, because if you look in the credits for those games- Well, Nick Carter did it too, didn't he? He did. Yeah, Spaz. Yeah. We were talking about Spaz. He's in, he, he calls in on one of the, he calls in on the radio station. It's the funk radio station in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas where George Clinton is the DJ and it's Spaz yelling at George Clinton about something. How bizarre. It's it's such a, and it's like, you look at all these names and now when I look in the credits and I look at all these names, I'm like, I know of this person. I, I know, know that, that guy. Person. Yeah, they just, and it's, just like for in my case, it's just like, hey, I stalked you on Facebook, but like we all worked in radio and it's a very small world. And then you end up like networking with them and um, and that that, you know, alone. I mean, there's it's yeah, I came into it just some, you know, kid who just played a lot of Grand Theft Auto and became enthralled with the radio aspect of it. And then realizing, hey, these are all like legitimate radio people who who are in this and do this. And that's why it sounds so legit, uh, Jeff Berlin, who, whose voice is in quite literally everything. It, he told me that he he has to assemble, he has to produce, he has to write, produce, and assemble all of the imaging for those games himself, as if he's working for a client. They, huh. they don't give him the material. They're like, use your library, write the scripts. So funny. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Um. Uh. I. I apologize in advance if this is like 
potentially ripping off any band-aids here, but I am curious because this did fracture recently in Boston radio, but uh, Toucher and Richard, no more. Yeah. And I know at one point your show went up against theirs uh, when they got moved over in the mornings. Um, was there any like friction between the two shows? Um any any bad blood between you and and them? I don't. Just, I, I mean, I don't think so. Uh, they did. Uh, they talked about us at some point. I forget what the circumstances were, but it was some event where like a bunch of radio stations showed up, and like Rich was talking about us. Um, but I mean, I I listened to them briefly when they were on the sports hub. I think I lasted about six months. I was like, all right, like I'll give this a try. Like they're number one for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, and I found the only person that I liked and identified with was John Wallach, um, who I genuinely, you know, appreciate. Like I, I like him. Um, but I just, you know, I don't know. I just didn't get it. It wasn't for me. Um, and, you know, I feel, I, I feel bad for Fred, honestly, like, I, you know, I, I really, I don't know him from a hole in the wall, but I mean, he's just had a rough couple of years. Yeah. Um, and there's a little part of me, like not to sound like a total cunt, um, but there's a little part of me that was like, this is karma kind of coming back for you a little bit, bud. Sure. Um, because like, you know, when John Dennis like went into rehab, and he was like, you know, giving him shit on the air. It's like, you don't like, no, like, dude, like, don't, you know. Yeah. He, he can, don't, don't leave, leave that alone. You one, know, one of my, uh, favorite, but of course, like he couldn't help himself. Right. Right. One of my favorite Fred moments ever is he went on this like 15 minute long tirade against Kirk Minahane back when Kirk was on WEI after Dennis left. And it, was what? that the sports debate thing? Uh, maybe. Oh, sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, sorry. no, it's it's fine. It was in response to, uh, well, they're Kirk torpedoing the morning show's ratings, but mm. um, like Kirk did some like bit where he was like doing like a, a fake protest out in front of the CBS building to get Scott Zolak fired, if I remember correctly. So Fred went on his tangent about him and ultimately like, you know, Kirk then left shortly afterwards because he had a mental health crisis. Right, I remember that, yeah. And then you know, there there was like a period of time where Fred and then the morning show and the station and their, their fans are all claiming victory. Well, then the same thing happens to Fred just a few years later. Exactly. So it just yeah. goes back to what you just said about karma. It's like... Yeah, and then, you know, and suddenly you have your own substance abuse issues and, you know, you know it's just kind of... I just, I, so I found him distasteful and, um, I just found rich just kind of disingenuous. Um, yeah. I just, I just never, I didn't, you know, I didn't believe him. Um, but, but that, but that's also just totally based off of their radio personalities. Right. They could be perfectly lovely people in person. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Um, did, did you, but, were you able to resonate with them just because they were, transplants to Boston. So, I mean, I know you did, you work in Boston, you worked at FNX long before you came back from the sandbox, but just because you know, you didn't start off as local. 
Uh, no, because I mean, I've, I, like I've, I, all radio people are transient, you know, other than Henry and Julie, like, you know, everybody's moved around everywhere. Right. Um, you, so, yeah, no, not really. I mean, I just, you know, I, I, I gave them a shot for a little bit on the sports hub because I'm otherwise, I mean, I literally listen to, that's the only radio I listen to. I listen to uh, Felgram as in the afternoon, primarily because of Big Jim. Um, and then I listen to a little bit of NPR, like in the car, mm -hmm. but otherwise I'm like, uh, you know, I'm pushing 50 years old, but I consume media like a millennial where I'm, I listen to podcasts and Spotify. Yeah. Same. Um, because the rest of it, I just can't, I, I can't, I can't like I was in Connecticut recently and I'm in a radio station taking pictures of people and everyone was perfectly lovely and they were all very nice and I had a lovely time, but for God's sake, listening to those radio stations throughout the day. Painful slightly. Oh, dude. <laughs> and like, like my friend, Kevin, like who I talked about earlier, he just started this show with this woman named Jenna. She was like, I got into radio in 2012. I was like, why? Like, why would you do that? Um, I got but, out of radio by 2012. Yeah, exactly. Right. I was done two years where you started, but, um, and I listened to it and I was like, this is nice. And like, I appreciate what they're doing, but if I listened to this every day, I would just, I would drive into oncoming traffic. Like I, I can't, <laughs> like I can't, it's, and I, I, especially morning radio, like just gives me the, like the skeeves. Like yeah. I just, and yeah i, I try um, i try to listen to just like you know i'll listen to fred now because it's, you know, it's just fred for the time being but then you well, know i'm real interested to see where that goes i'm betting they're gonna I, they're gonna use hardy they're gonna put hardy over yeah, there to, exactly right today and tomorrow hardy, yeah. hardy's been co-hosting so and it's yeah. today was good oh. i mean the chemistry's there i think this oh. is the like audition um yeah and I've tried listening to other shows like around the, the country. It, it's just not. Are, are you are you are you are you hearing it's asshole o'clock right now? Yes, uh, a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> that's fine. Um, do we need to? Want, we could take a break in a second uh, here. I just want to say what you just mentioned about um, the radio station, like a big radio station event, all the radio stations coming together. And Mike, I think you can attest to this. Well, actually, I have two things. But the first thing I'll say is that um, whenever, when because when Mike and I were doing promotions. And we would do big events like the big car shows at the Expo Center and uh, BCN, AF, FNX would be there. Um, BCN would be the the people who would come over and trash all of our shit and deface and vandalize all of our stuff and make our jobs incredibly difficult. And then the FNX people were always the ones to come over and lend a hand and help us out help clean up clean yeah. up and break everything help us break down we'd help e we then we started helping each other break everything down yeah and the fnx people the the, the street team like when when nick jamelli was on the street team yeah uh and, turncoat turncoat nick yeah ian mcleod and uh allison smith all of them they the, the yeah. nicest people in the world the nicest That's people in the world i, I would i, I would, still see it ian ian's ian was around salem for a while um, uh, I think he has since relocated not far, but, um, yeah, he worked at a, he worked at a, a, a cider house here in mm -hmm. Salem for a little bit. So I would see him every now and again. Um, they were but yeah, no, you're right. And like, and that's like, you know, and that was another reason, like I, you know, 
I didn't want to move to Poughkeepsie and do all that shit. And, you know, was there was that despite it being a lawless country and Lynn, um, you know, everyone was very banded together. Like there was very little, like, you know, if any, you know, backstabbing or, you know, subterfuge, you know, everyone was just there to help and to lend a hand and mm. to try to be helpful. And like, I remember the, the, um, one of the first remote events I did as the sandbox with the, you know, with, with the street team. And, um, we got to the end of the event and it was me and like maybe two or three street teamers. And I got to the end of the event and I like started cleaning up the table and, you know, folding up the, you know, the tablecloth. And they were like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm, I'm helping cleaning up. I'm like, helping to clean up. Like, we've got to break down and get out of here. And they're like, you're helping. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, dude, like, let's get the fuck out of here. What um, is going on here? I'm confused. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Uh, and that's not like a shot at Henry or Julie or whatever, because that's just, you know, they came up as, you know, the street team does that. You know, there was, I don't, it wasn't like a sense of like, you know, superiority. They were just like, that's the street team job. Um, and I think like me and Fletcher and Ed, like all brought that kind of like, you know, you know, no, we all help out and we all, you know, we all contribute. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's nice that that like kind of carried over to, you know, to your interactions with the FNX people too. Yeah. Um, and it, it just made, it made the job a lot easier to knowing that like when the BCN people, and then it became the ZLX people like sport, because it like sports up didn't really do it too much to us after the, after BCN one way, ZLX people would screw around with us. But no, if, if we knew they were around, obviously we had to be cautious. If we saw the FNX people there. Then we knew, it was, chill. It was yeah. a safe zone. It was okay. And we could just hang out with each other and just shoot the shit. And there was no like fake, uh, you know, war going on that, you know. And that was the other thing that I found so weird about, um, about Fred. And I don't really, I, I, I always kind of vibe that it was a Fred thing and not so much a rich thing where, Fred still seemed to be like operating in this, like it's still 1994 mm -hmm. range where it's like, it's all about radio wars and like, you know, uh, you know, let's call out like the other morning show and blah, blah, blah. And like, and whatever that segment was where they were talking about us at, from whatever event, honestly, shut up. I honestly can't remember. Um, and all three of us were just like, what are they doing? Like, why are they even like, who gives a shit? Like, yeah. why are we even talking? I mean, it was literally like, you know, like you were saying like a car show or something like it was some, like, you know, it was the Celtics like breakfast event, like, you know, whatever it was. And we were just, and yeah, you know, someone was like, Oh, you know, Tucker and Rich are talking about you. And we were like, why, like, you know, like it was so odd. I think that, um, that's because they, you know, were marketed as being, the local version of, of Opie and Anthony. And then for a while, yeah. Know, like, and like, and like, I get it. Like, you know, Fred interned for Stern at one point. So he was kind of like carrying that torch of like, you know, radio wars. And it was like, nobody gives a shit, dude. Right. Like, who cares? And, and even then I, I think that the ONA radio wars totally staged. I don't think any of that was legitimate. So like to see how like other radio shows then go in and be like, Hey, let's be like Opie and Anthony and, and, uh, uh, instigate this war with this, other show in this or like in, even in this other market it's like okay but this is all fake you see 
So yeah. for you to then go in and, and do it in all sincerity, not only do you look like a jackass, you're probably going to get sued now too, you know? And it's just corny. Like who, like the listeners, like who cares? Right. You know, and like we would occasionally, you know, when they would get on one of those Jags, like we would get calls to the WTF line. It was like, what are we going to do? Like air these? Like, no, like we just delete them. Like who gives a shit? Yeah. So um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, yeah, I, I, you know, there's plenty of stuff about radio that I do miss. There's more that I don't. And and on that note, I'll, I'll wrap up the the radio uh, the trip down memory lane with uh, mentioning because I don't know if I ever did, but mm. when you were on that um, station in Connecticut, when you're I believe you're you're voice tracking mornings down there for like uh, for like a hot minute, yeah, yeah. But I listened, and it was good. No, did I did. It was good. I don't know if I ever told you, but it was good. I I would listen to it at work. It would it would. Yeah, help the the morning go by. So, oh, that's funny. That's good. Uh, I never listened once. <laughs> <laughs> I was just because I, I still read like I read like Ramp and Radio Inside every day, and then to see you yeah. come up in the in in a headline that you were you were coming back to radio and doing morning somewhere. Yeah, that was kind. Of, it was kind of it was kind of neat, and being able to do you know fake radio from you know this chair that I'm sitting in, um, you know, was was kind of cool, but. Um, that's the, I mean, that's the well, joy. Well, thanks for that. That's funny. I, it's, yeah. it's hilarious. I even, like when I was doing that, I, that, that's the same cluster down in Connecticut that I was taking pictures at in November where I got that cold, um, this cold that I still have <laughs> a month and a half later. Um, and like he would introduce me to people and, and they would be like, weren't you on the Fox for like six months? And I'm like, yes, like that was me. It was me. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. No, it was a good time. Um, uh, I, was, I, I know was, that my, I know that Mike listened to every day, didn't you, Mike? Every damn day, I've got Big all fan. of the recordings. Big fan. And on the note you of, know what, uh, you know, what one of my favorite things about Zoom and like the post-pandemic era is, yeah, what's up? Seeing how other people live, <laughs> like it's just it's endlessly fascinating to me. Yeah. It's, like people come up, you know, like, like the big one, like, of course, is like the guy who was on the BBC and like his toddler, like came wandering into the room. Like mm -hmm. that was funny and all. Classic. I just like to see like the shit on people's shelves <laughs> and like, you know, are there mini, are there mini blinds like in perfect straight lines? Or are they a little cockeyed? Mike's are a little cockeyed. I just I find it endlessly <laughs> fascinating. It's um, it's it's truly like being invited into someone's home. I mean, I think even the newscasters um, and the reporters, like during the pandemic, when they were doing everything, uh, and like their remotely, cats and their dogs, and yeah. yeah. And some people like obviously would do up their places just because they're like, hey, like this is going to be on TV. I'm going to show off. Like, and the people that won't wouldn't do up their places are even more interesting to me. Yes. And I'm like, this like this guy knew he was going to be on TV, and his office is still a fucking disaster. Like, I love it. One of our co-hosts, Zach, he, uh, he came back to the show about a year, year and a half ago. And for the first few months that he was, he was involved with it, his place that he was living at at the time, every time he'd be on camera, it would look like a, you know, a tornado had just gone through. And you can yeah. tell he just he was moving things out of the way just to make a spot where he could sit down, put his mic down and join. And then he has since moved into a, a new place and he made it a point when he moved into his new place to like cordon off a space. And I think it's just a closet, which like respect. That's the best 
soundproofing. Per- perfect. Anyway. Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, yeah. And he has done it up to now be like a place that he can, you know, comfortably be on camera and not be uh, a, that's a, ashamed about what's behind him. Well, um, I mean, I never, I never make my bed. So I, I actually did it. I actually made my bed for this. So, Hey, Mike remembers there was a period You're welcome. of time. There's a period of time that this show was recorded in a bedroom. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, there is. People had to sit on the bed because there was no, <laughs> there was no room. There was like two chairs and everyone else like, okay, you're on the bed. Uh, Mike Shu, the first time Mike Shu joined us for the podcast, it was, uh, it was in that bedroom because he sat on the bed. That's so funny. Yeah. That's just how, uh, that's how we roll. So, all right. Um, all right so we're going to take a break. Yes. I'm going to go pee and then tend to the dog for a minute. Yes. That sounds like, uh, an idea and a half. Thank you for saying that. I've been looking That's for an me. opportunity. That's me. Exactly to play. right. That's me right now. <laughs> and possibly and possibly the dog. Okay. I have to pay. We will be <laughs> right back. Stick around. That motherfucker back there is not real. This podcast is hardly focused. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hardly focused. I would like to begin this episode by uh, telling you guys what a stupid asshole I am. <laughs> and it's different from every other day of the week because... I promise I didn't plan this. I did not queue up Level Tears Apart, Chris. I use, like, Spanish-made radio automation software that's got rotators in them. Bueno. So this just played at random. Oh, like you. Uh, Mike probably thinks I did it on purpose. Uh, yeah, I, I usually <laughs> think that. But then again, I realize you're also an idiot, so you probably didn't do it on purpose. Uh, y- y- I mean, you're not wrong. You're not right, but you're not wrong. Uh, but... Uh, Welcome back to Hardly Focused. Uh, I did not give the spiel at the beginning of the episode. Uh, we are at hardlyfocused.com and on your favorite podcast app, so long as it continues to exist, because uh, some, some are starting to be shut down. 
uh, <coughs> Google. Um, and then uh, we're also on YouTube and TikTok and threads. I don't know if either of you, I know. Well, Chris, I know you're on threads. Um, oh, you mean Instagram without the pictures? Threads is taken off, man. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that's what happens when you put Alex Jones back on your platform. The <laughs> fucking rats running from the ship when that guy showed up. Holy shit. We're not on Blue Sky yet? We are. I, I will tell you what. I was on I was on Blue Sky for about a week, and I found it just as toxic as Twitter and deleted it. Really? I had a terrible experience on Blue Sky. You guys talk for just a second because dumbass is back here. I'm going to give him a bone, so hold on. Sure. Um, you keep going. Mike, are you still using blue sky i uh, i it's still in beta right yeah so i i kind of stopped using it because i was like the amount of people that i have had from twitter have not migrated over yet they're still kind of like hanging on a little bit yeah and i'm like i'm just literally waiting for more people to come on before it's bought like it just doesn't have enough of a, a subscribership if you will yeah but like i need all these other people to come on so like, all right then all the people that i follow because i don't pot I don't follow the normies. You know, I follow, <laughs> you know, people for specific things. I'm like, all right, well, you're not here yet. So yeah. is, and I was like, thread, eh, uh, uh, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to use thread. That's why, honestly. Yeah. Blue Sky has been tough to really engage with people on. And it's hard to, I, I found it challenging to really develop a following there it still is very niche i mean the fact that it's invite only still yeah so that's that that is making it challenging now if anybody does want an invite just uh message us on any of the platforms on hardly focused and we'll get you an invite i have five that i will never use same there you go look at that same i give them out and then they <laughs> i give them out and then they, they, they regenerate i thought that was like you know uh you know a one and done kind of thing exactly uh, oh but, interesting but but threads I've had the complete opposite experience with in that um, now you see posts on there where people are like, dear algorithm, please connect me with people. What is that? that? Please. It's, it's nothing. It is garbage. It's people thinking that if you do that, it's going to automatically define what's going to show up in your profile uh, with the, the like no effort. It, it's like people's way of saying, I want to only follow people that share similar interests with me, but I don't want to actually like interact with them. I just want my, 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 uh, front page, whatever you call it, my feed to be this content. No, you got to go out and actually like interact with posts and leave comments and talk to people. And that's exactly what I'm doing. And it's been working because our profile, it's a, it's a very small following right now, but my, feed, it's, uh, it's all video game nerds or music nerds. And that's what uh, people are following our, uh, our, our profile for. I saw people doing that and I correlated it to uh, boomers posting on their Facebook page by posting this. I do not oh. give Facebook permission to download my <laughs> photographs. It's like, it's the same thing. It is exactly oh. the same thing. <clears throat> well, the, the hilarity in that for a long time, people would say, uh, or they share those copy pastas because they didn't want um, to, the ones to say like, if by doing this, I do not consent to Facebook charging me for using their service. And well, now they are yeah, all, yeah. all of them are now. So that was futile. Uh, we are hardly focused on threads, by the way, as I should probably uh, plug the profile for the show. Um, Cause that's how you market. 
Way to lock in all of the uh, all the usernames, by the way. I I've been um, uh, failing Except for one, right? Well, uh, on Facebook and Twitter slash X, we are focused hardly. And then oh, so, funny. so on some platforms we're focused hardly and on other platforms are hardly focused. And I, because as you know, I'm a genius. So I lose track of what is what. <laughs> so then I always have to pull up the URL. I'm like, on threads, we are vamp, 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 Hold vamp, on, vamp. Wait a minute. <laughs> so, um, uh, I am not a smart man. Uh, but I know what love is. Someone else isn't a smart man. Uh, Florida Joker. My God. Oh, no. Yeah, you sent this to me. Yeah. So I uh, hate it I like, so much. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> Last week, the internet broke because the trailer for Grand Theft Auto 6 came out. And at one point in the trailer, there's a um, a guy who they, they're showing like a weasel news broadcast. And it's a... Uh, guy in a you know a prison jumpsuit he's got multicolored hair but his face is covered with tattoos and it you know pretty much epitomizes uh, the the florida man and i didn't realize this was making fun of an actual person and it makes well, wasn't part of kind of the part of the point of the trailer was it was just a rehash of so many florida Mm-hmm. Florida memes, basically. It, it, yeah, because I, I remember seeing there's like literally just segment game, segment real life, segment game, segment real life. And it's like, right, yeah. 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 And they, they're also making fun of uh, TikTok as well. So they show a lot of things that are being recorded on whatever they're going to call TikTok in the game. Now, right. prefacing this by saying that entire franchise is built on satire. So what? So whatever is big at the time the game is developed and released is going to be made fun of, uh, violently made fun of. And of course, they are going to make fun of the guy who is his face is covered in tattoos and his hair is a color that has never been defined on the, the color spectrum before. Um, and turns out this guy, Florida Joker, his real name is Lawrence Sullivan. Yeah, Lawrence. Of course it is, Larry. That's a really like fancy name too. I know Lawrence Sullivan could very well have been an attorney. You know, Lawrence Sullivan, attorney at law. He's probably like acting as his own legal representation too. Oh, the firm he of Sullivan, is. Sullivan, and Sullivan. <laughs> According to uh, Kotaku, Florida man is calling on Rockstar Games to pay him two million dollars for showing literally one second of a character who looks like him in the reveal trailer for Grand Theft Auto 6. Lawrence Sullivan, a.k.a. Florida Joker, accused the studio of stealing his likeness in his latest TikTok video. Now, doesn't Florida Joker open him up to lawsuits from from D.C. for stealing their uh, IP? Yes. Because he's basically ripped off Jared Leto's Joker and has turned that into his personality. So I feel like he's really putting himself out on the edge here um, by drawing attention. He's, he's stri-sanding himself, essentially. Exactly. Um, maybe now, this is me possibly playing devil's advocate here. Maybe DC wants to forget that Jared Leto played the Joker at uh-huh. one point in their franchise. So they're like, yeah, buddy, you can do whatever you want. Now, if he was to model himself after Lady Gaga, say, then maybe they would get upset because they're banking on her being 
Um, oh, I'm sorry. She's not playing Joker. Uh, she's going to be in Joker, the sequel to Joker. She's playing Harley Quinn. Um, yes. Thinking of, uh, what's his name? The, oh, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Yes. Uh, you lost me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was thinking of, because I just saw, I, I'd forgotten, I'd completely forgotten that Lady Gaga was playing Harley Quinn in that, that she seems Joker too scene. old for Harley Quinn. Can I ask you a question, a yeah. nerd-related question? Because yeah. I I know these properties, um, but it's more based off of me having read comic books when I was like 10, as opposed to keeping up with it now, because it's just too much and I just don't care. <laughs> yeah, sure. But why, why are there multiple suicide squads? Am I one really wrong? sucked? <laughs> exactly. So is that it? So th were there not two Suicide Squad movies? And then isn't the John Cena show also the Suicide Squad? Yes. So they, uh, so the one, the Suicide Squad, it doesn't help because the follow-up is called the Suicide Squad when the original was just. What's the follow-up? Suicide Which Squad. Which one is that? So the follow-up is the one that came out two years ago that was directed the will the will smith one was the first one right correct and then okay thank you go ahead and then idris elba is in the um yes. in the second one now <laughs> the second one um james gunn directed that now james gunn is best known as directing the guardians of the galaxy films for marvel right okay if you remember years ago uh, very briefly James Gunn was fired by Disney and Marvel because of some tweet that resurfaced from like 2009 Ten years ago. Yeah. And in that, in that brief period of time when he was not employed by Disney and Marvel, DC scooped him up and said, Hey, the suicide squad oh. film we tried to do in 2016 stunk despite the fact that it actually won an Academy award. Um, so we, what like visual effects or something costume. Okay. Best costume. And um, uh, DC said, hey, we want to do a, a sequel slash reboot and we want you to do it because we know everything you do is good. And he you said, you don't suck. <laughs> he said, sure. Disney and Marvel panicked and said, hey, uh, it's OK. You can post whatever you want on Twitter. You can hate whoever you want. Uh, come back. And was it and wasn't it like like he was halfway through shooting Guardians of the Galaxy 2 or something? Right. When that happened. Um, he was between those films. Two and three, yeah. Okay. Yeah, three was in pre-production. Uh, that was then in okay. limbo. So he did the Suicide Squad for DC, then, because he was contractually obligated to do it, then he went back to Marvel, did Guardians 3, which was phenomenal. That concluded his fulfillment for Marvel, and now he is back at DC, and he's in charge of their, like, film division. So he is now, like trying to redo everything for them but better yeah, yeah he's Re like here's how not to redo. fuck it up like you have been correct so the suicide squad from a couple of years ago the the quasi sequel it has the same characters as that first one um it also kills off a bunch of those characters uh very quickly yeah and um it kind of like establishes itself as its own thing um, kind of, you know, there's been sort of that trend in big movies where they try to retcon previous films and pretend they don't exist. What does that mean? Retcon, retroactive continuity. Um, okay. Great example. There was a Terminator film that came out in 2019 that pretends the three Terminator films that came before it don't exist. 
Oh, that's hilarious. Okay. So that's um, what this. All right. Uh, so I saw that. I saw the Idris Elba Suicide Squad. Yeah. And didn't hate that. That that's really good. I loved it. I thought it was phenomenal. So what is the Suicide Squad with John Cena? Because I loved that. Okay. So that um, the Suicide Squad that has John Cena is in it is the one you're talking about. And then there's a spinoff show series on HBO Max called Peacemaker. And that is John Wait, Cena. Wait, hold on. Hang on. <laughs> hold on. Wait a minute. There was a movie, The Suicide Squad, with John Cena? Yes, he is one of the supporting characters. I, I believe that's ah, what you're referring to because Idris Elba right. is in No, 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 because I was actually referring to Peacemaker because Peacemaker, I, I watched the show. Okay. And I liked Peacemaker. So what was The Suicide Squad? There was a movie of that? Yes. In a feature, and was that sequentially? Was that third? Is that after the Idris Elba movie? That is the Idris Elba movie. Oh, he's in that. Yes, as Peacemaker. Yep. And then Shit, I can and, go back and watch that again. Okay, sorry. <laughs> and then the show is the. And then the, the show is just Peacemaker. Correct. And then who's the guy that directed that? Uh, that is James Gunn. He did. He did That's that as James well. Gunn. Yes. Okay. Thank you. All right. And his <laughs> wife is in that. Correct. Blonde, the blood, the hot blonde lady. Yes. Um, Jennifer, Jennifer yeah. something. Oh, it's going to bother me. She's great in that show. She's gorgeous. I love her. I, I can look past her having a little bit of a goofy eye. Um, oh, I never noticed that. She's great. She's in because she's his wife. She's in everything that he does now. He, oh, he, that's hilarious. James Gunn's one of those guys that just, uh, uh, all of his friends, all of his family members all have a role in whatever it is he does. He's like oh, Adam Sandler, huh? Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, um, all right. So Peacemaker's the show and Peacemaker, the show I enjoyed. Okay. Yeah. Peacemaker's very good. Peacemaker. It's, yeah, it's fun. And it's got that amazing title sequence. The title sequence is great. I thought um, uh, was that's Robert Patrick, right? The place. Yes. Dad. Yeah. Um, I thought his I thought his performance was great. Um, I have no. I know who John Cena is because I was not a wrestling kid or a wrestling adult for that matter. Um, <laughs> but like I've, I, I, I thought he was phenomenal in that show. Uh, I enjoyed the whole thing and I'm like not big, like superhero person. Um, but I, I really liked that a lot. Yeah. Uh, John Cena is like the poor man's rock. They, they, they saw that they had success in. Turning, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it well, kind of is. Yeah, yeah it's, you had success in turning a wrestling guy into a an actor, an A-list actor. So then they wanted to try to do the same thing with John Cena. And the results are, I, I would argue, mixed because some things that he does are, are very good, like Peacemaker yeah. and Suicide Squad. And there's other things that he does that uh, are just plain forgettable. Hmm. Um, but uh, uh, Robert Patrick, you want to talk about celebrities that have aged poorly? Robert Patrick. Well, especially when you look at his brother, who um, is uh, Rich Patrick from the band Filter. Yes. Who looks exactly the same as he's looked since 1994. Like, it's weird. Um, and meanwhile, Robert looks, I mean, I mean, he still looks like him, but he definitely does not look like the T-1000 or whatever he was oh, in the Terminator. God, no. In, in 1990. I love looking at photos of him now. I mean, the guy is, I think, in his 60s now, or he's pushing 60. Uh, so, but it's that's a hard but he, 60. He, he looks aged. He does uh, look aged. He did a 
it was a it was a comic con out in, in Europe uh, about a month or two ago, and it was him, Michael Bean, and, and uh, Linda Hamilton, who respectively were Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor in the original Terminator, and the two of them, you'd recognize them in a second, even though they're both. Oh, Linda awesome. Hamilton looks exactly the same. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're both in their sixties now. They but they you'd see them like, hey, that's them. That's Kyle Reese. That's Sarah Connor. Who's the old woman next to him? That's the T one thousand. Oh yeah. Yeah. The only thing that but he was great in that role though. Yeah. You know, he, um, trained himself not to blink when firing any weapon that, that I, I need to go back and watch he, all. He also trained to not breathe through his mouth when he was running. That's insane. He, it made him look more robotic when he was not yeah. breathing through his mouth. Yeah. He, he, um, he really committed oh, to and, that role. And, and what was the thing about him running? There was, they shot a scene related to what you just said, Mike. Mm-hmm. They shot a scene where he was chasing, you know, chasing a car or something. He's chasing the motorcycle and he was catching up to them. And he was running it down. They had to, <laughs> they had to speed up the, the motorcycle to shoot because he was running the thing down. They were, he, he like, I don't know. I have to go back and watch that movie. I don't know when the last time I saw which Terminator was that? That two. wasn't the Terminator. That was, two. Yeah, it was, that was the second Terminator one. two. Yep. Uh, I've got to go back and see that because that that movie blew my mind when I was however old I was, sixteen. Yeah, I think um, I think that was also. I mean, obviously, we live in an age now where it's it's impossible to do this, but um, that was a very. I mean, it was a twist with Terminator two. That was a very. If, if you didn't like have anyone, you know, word of mouth that told you about it going into it, mm. then you'd have no idea. You would just assume Arnold Schwarzenegger is once again, the, the villain. Yeah. And then you find yeah. out when he confronts the T 1000 and tells John to get down. I, I, I just read things on Reddit where people are just like my theater <laughs> let out just a collective gasp and Oh shit. Yeah. When he said that, he's like, wait a minute, he's not trying to kill the kid. He's protecting him. Yeah. What Come the hell is going want to live? Yeah. What the hell's going parents on? parents are dead. Although the one thing that I do remember, because I literally probably have not seen that movie in its entirety since I saw it in the theater in 1991 or whatever it was. The one thing that I distinctly remember from that movie and I know is still unforgivable. And I'm going to recreate it for you on camera right now. You ready? <laughs> okay. Oh, the, the thumbs up. <laughs> Just like. I mean, even then, I was like, that movie was awesome. That ending was corny as shit. Like, I, oh, that I could have done without. But yeah, otherwise, that movie was awesome. He was learning. He he was, his his chip was reset so he could learn what humans do. That Now, that's a scene that was taken out of the, the film. That, that nefarious for having deleted scenes that I think they took off for, like, pacing reasons or, or what have you, that... You go back and you watch because now they've been restored. And if you go out and buy like the fanciest DVD version, all those scenes are intact. And there's like this 10 minute long scene where they perform, Sarah and John perform surgery on the Terminator. They take his chip out. They like actually unscrew his, cut into it, cut into him, unscrew his skull and take out the chip and flip a switch on it. Because he explains, he's like, yeah, I, I'm in read-only mode right now, so I can't learn anything, but you can take out my switch, you can take out my CPU and switch me into 
right mode and I'll learn. And then that explains why then throughout the rest of the movie, John's teaching him like hasta la vista and uh, how to smile and how to do the thumbs up. In the theatrical version, he just gives some like 10 second long ex- explanation about how like the more he comes into contact, the more he learns about humans. Huh. Um, and then there's a whole other scene about like John trying to teach him how to smile and he can't do it. And he's like frightening yeah. little kids with the contorted face he's making. Um, yeah. And then there's Wait, was a, that Chris, was that Christian Bale Terminator movie any good um, up until the end? Mm. I liked it. I, I'm an apologist for that one. But then the ending was just like it seemed like can't hey, apologize for correct. Uh, it seems like they ran out of money. <laughs> towards the oh, end no. and, oh god and we're like okay we need to hurry this up we only have uh so much left in our budget but we did get this out of it i want to fucking kick your fucking ass you know shut up for a second all right <laughs> Do you oh good for you oh good for you so good i love him that was um that was an audio gold mine right there that when that so happened. good and th- I think that was that was at the cusp of an era where people and there's a lot of people who are still not cognizant of this, but the cusp of an era where people realize, hey, this guy has a camera on him. Everything's recorded. Yep. And this guy yeah. has easy access to the Internet. And that's just what it is now. If you if you lose your shit in public, it will go it will go on the Internet chances are it will go viral and you never know sometimes people can make that work to their benefit and become famous for sure yeah i wonder what the time frame on the um christian bale freak out and the michael richards freak out well michael richards was earlier that yeah that was uh, that was 2006 i want to say because why why do you remember that i was in high school that happened i remember so Sorry, sorry to age you, but I, I do remember that vividly. And then the bail thing was like two years later in 2008. Okay. So yeah, not as close as I thought. Yeah. Right. But no, all right. The, I mean, the, dif- the difference between the two being, I think like by the time the Christian bail thing happened, it was much easier to record that there's a quicker turnaround time, right? Easier to record. Yeah. Record, and upload, and, yeah. yeah. Immediately yeah. put it on YouTube um, and, and damage someone's reputation. But again, you gotta be smart about how you, uh, how you approach it. Like I, when we went to the break, I played a production piece that features this. That motherfucker back there is not real. And that lady is embracing her public freak out and she's actually like starting to you know make money because of it but she's she's also sure. she's playing it safe though by not overdoing it because then some people go too far with it and it's like okay it's not funny anymore like you killed the well, joke like there's like there's and it's funny like you were talking earlier about how like over time i've sent you you know like you know links to sandbox stuff and like i have all those podcasts and like i'll you know throw things onto dropbox and that kind of thing and i've literally like registered websites you know uploaded stuff like made blogs like that kind of thing and the further time has gone like is that i mean that was not that long ago it was 13 years ago you know in the grand scheme of things not that long ago there is definitely shit in those podcasts that is not okay oh yeah. <laughs> you know um, and like, you know, there are people involved in that show who have, you know, pretty important jobs now. And like, you know, the, I think the last time I publicly posted stuff, you know, the guys reached out to me, they were like, mm, like have you gone through all of this? 
And I'm like, no, like it's probably fine. They're like, it may not be. Um, and you know, and stuff that was, you know, funny at the time and like, you know, and it was, I mean, and not, not in my head, nothing we ever did was like mean spirited, but you know, but that's why, like, I would love to like take all that sandbox stuff and put it up and have people listen to it and download it. Yeah. But I would have to comb through everything because like, I can't have my friends canceled for something they did, you know, like James Gunn and his tweet from 10 years ago. Right. You know, none of us are James Gunn, It's you know, so like. So it's um, it's funny you mentioned that because the when I think back to like the morning show I worked on, the shit that they were doing there, even in in 2010, 2011, wouldn't fly oh, now. Oh, I mean, like the Storm and Birds, you know, I talked about earlier. I mean, they literally got sued for sexual harassment by one of their coworkers, um, like a you know, a person that I knew, and that was in whatever year that was, you know, two thousand six. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's like, so it's, it's tough because it was all, you know, it, it was, it was all in good fun and it was good hearted and good spirited, but it's just not cool now. And like, and that's fine. And that's why it just like lives on a hard drive in my house. Yeah. Well, if you'd like, I volunteer my services to go through and go through those broadcasts and at least, uh, if not edit them, then at least point out parts that need to be edited because, uh, I admitted P1 here. I'd be happy to go through and listen to two and a half years of sandbox broadcast. Well, it's hilarious. Like I just pulled it out of the drawer of the desk. I'm sitting in like I have this. Oh, Jesus. Um, and it's, it has music on it, but it also has all the sandbox podcasts. So I'll literally plug this in the, in the car. Uh, it's an iPod. I know this is an audio medium. Um, <laughs> it's a big ass iPod classic. Um, so I'll just hit shuffle songs and it'll shuffle through songs. And every now and again, it'll land on a sandbox podcast. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Uh, Mike show, you got to show the iPod to your kids and then ask your kids, what is this? Yeah. They're not going to know. I don't know what they would guess. Honestly. I mean, I have, I have. Yeah. I don't know what I honestly don't know what they would guess. I have eight racks of cassettes in my living room right now. Yeah, show them that too, Mike. See yeah, if they know stunned silence on that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, at least with an, it looks vaguely phone. It's got a, yeah, it's got know? a screen that lights up. It's got a screen, like, exactly. Like a cassette, they're just like, I don't know. See, like, hey kids, what, what does this do? Oh, dude, I've lo I had one of those, the iPod shuffle, yeah. the, the little square one. I had yeah, one of those. The little shuffle. It's so cute. I loved my shuffle. Um, yeah, my house is like a museum of dead technology. That's amazing. I can't knock on the the, the cassette because I have uh, I've, I've purchased more more just like for the novelty of it. But when bands will put albums out on cassette, and I'll buy. Oh them. yeah, yeah. And I'll just and I'll put them out on display. I mean, I'm like I have to think about it. Do I have anything in my house that will actually play this? Probably not. But at the same time, I don't want to play it. I don't want to like, you know. Uh, damage it you know i'm sure yeah. i know tape obviously will probably disintegrate over time no, that's the but. that's the beauty of the cassette it is a consumable medium the more you play it the worse it sounds <laughs> oh what you gotta remind me what was his name dave greek the guy that did the imaging for the yeah for dave the greek, radio station? Yep. okay i don't know why i remember that me neither you but remember yeah. everything else the same thing my god yeah I've I've a really Random answer. I have a frightening memory when it comes to like remembering names and in yeah that's that's real weird man 
Uh, yeah, no, Greek's still around. We're, <laughs> we're friends on the internet. I'm going to try to hook up with him. I'm going to be in, he's still in Richmond. I'm going to try to hook up with him when I go visit my parents in January. Cause I haven't seen him in a minute. Now, does he still do voiceover? No, God, no. He's a librarian. That's um, amazing. Which he kind of <laughs> always was like he, that, that dude is a savant. Like he just, he's a musician. He, I mean, he's one of the most creative people I've ever met. Um, painfully funny um deliberately weird um uh, but just a just a fascinating dude and yeah and like he he was he won he he was in richmond and we did that hack you know that old hack deal you know be our next you know be the next dj like win this contest yeah um and he won the contest Nice. So he was like the night guy at DYL for a while. Nice. Uh, night DJs. Oh. One of the single funniest things I'd ever heard on the radio, um, Lisa Lampanelli came in. And this is when she was at the height of like her Queen of Mean comedy thing. And Dave was the one that was there and did the interview like it was literally like the, whatever the comedy club was like brought her in like, Hey, Lisa Lampanelli's here. And we we're like, well, Dave's here. Like you do it. And she let off the interview. She, he's like, Hey, Lisa Lampanelli's here. Like, you know, you're playing the comedy zone tonight, blah, 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 eight o'clock. And she's like, yeah, Hey, how you doing? You look like retarded Harry Potter. And like, <laughs> it just went like downhill from there. Like she just like, I mean, it was rough when he aired the interview it was, hey, Lisa Lampanelli's here. She's playing the Comedy Zone tonight at 8 o'clock. Lisa Lampanelli goes, hey, how you doing? And Dave immediately cut it to the end, and it was, all right, Lisa, thanks for coming in. You know, We'll see you tonight at the Comedy Zone at 8 o'clock. And that was the entire interview. And it was one of the – that was the interview that aired. That was one of the funniest things I have ever heard on the radio. And if you, he played it straight, didn't say, like, she was mean. She said a bunch of things. He was like, nope, that was the whole interview. It was awesome. That's amazing. I uh, yeah. I, I think the reason I remember his name is um, the last day or one of the last days that FNX was on the air and they were doing like a big send off with, uh, you know, former personalities coming back and yeah. Dakin came up and um, was doing like a, you know, an air shift. And I think you called in and yeah. Right, leading like right before he went to you, he played a sa uh, sandbox bumper, and then was uh, like, he said something. He's like, "I can't believe I get to play that Dave Greek imaging one more time." Yep, and that and that name just like stuck out because I liked it. I thought it sounded cool. So I thought it was like synonymous with because I think he did like the whole station, not just your show. But oh was, no, yeah, he did the whole station, and I think he ended up doing some imaging for a few other places too. Um. But yeah, just just a fascinating dude. Yeah. Um, one of those people who like, gets like pick up an instrument and just play it, like can just figure it out and just do it. Um, and not, yeah, a, he, not be able to explain how he's doing it. Just does it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's super cool. So yeah, Mike, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to bug him when I'm in when I'm in Richmond. Nice. Uh, Mike, uh, you should do voiceover. Seriously. I mean, well, as long as I don't have this voice right now, absolutely. I mean, you've done, you did it for <laughs> a long time. You did it on the, on this show. Um, I did. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and you're a master of the, uh, the strip club DJ. Oh voice. yeah. So you should do it. Next up ladies. We got Sapphire on the main stage. Good. It's two for Tuesdays guys. That's right. Steak legs and eggs every Sunday. 
Because you did that for it a is. while. I did, yeah, until the management changed. They're like, you're fired. I'm like, why? Because we want entirely new people. I'm like, all right, whatever. Fuck it. Sounds it was great. good money, though. My God. Oh, did my God. You, how did that work? Did you get a cut of the tips? Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, I got a flat 100 bucks for being there. And okay. then each stripper had to pay me a minimum of 40 bucks per stripper. Damn. Um, and then it was also if they, you know, like if I really played, uh, you know, like some songs that they really wanted or I let them skip a stage set because they were having such a quote unquote, like a long, a long lap dance session where they were milking this guy for money. Mm-hmm, sure. They'd throw me some extra because they're like, I'm making 20 bucks every three songs right now with this one guy and he's a thousand bucks deep. I'll throw you an extra 50, you know, like something like Hell that. Hell yeah. And that way, like, I don't want to go on. I'm losing money going on stage right now. If I go on stage, I'm like, fine, I'll skip you and go to the next person. So, yeah. So, it, yeah, it was uh, it was good money for that year. Paid off. Um, that sounds like my personal hell doing that <laughs> job, but I'm glad it worked for you. It, yes. I, it, it's not a a long term life solution. But then no. again, so is stripping is the same thing and not a long term life solution either. So true. I find it fascinating, and now that you've explained it, it makes a lot more sense, but fascinating and almost laughed at when you said I had, or the strippers had to give you uh, part of their tips. Yeah, it's like tipping out the back of the house when you're a... Uh, right, you're a yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, um, yeah, strip clubs are not my thing. Not uh, me neither. The only- I, I honestly, if I'm not getting paid to go there, I don't go. Right. Yeah. I, I've uh, been to one... And it was punishment. I was I was forced to go. Was it Max Tooth? No, it was uh, not not center. Is it Centerfolds? Seafolds? Yeah. Oh my! Or is the one in, in as a Spencer? Is that that's the one gone? That's it's knocked down. It's not there anymore. Uh, yeah, they oh, just yeah, knocked it down. Yeah. But uh, no, the other one, yeah, on Route Twenty, because there's Lamplighter, and then Centerfolds like next door, and uh, Spaz. I was with Spaz, and we were at the DC. Of course, center. it was a Spaz. And he was recording some bit for the morning show. And he's like looking for some like reasonably attractive female to get audio from because obviously what she looks like is going to translate well over radio. And uh, he like was struggling to find someone. He finally found like a couple of college chicks and I decided to uh, just torpedo the whole thing. And I forgot what I did, but I ultimately scared them off. And he was livid with me. So we, and it was like, it was a, they're at the ice. It, it was at the time it was the ice cats. I don't know if I ask the ice cats anymore, but um, we leave the game, get in his car and we drive to centerfolds because his fallback was the strippers there. And just use, you know, uh, get audio of a stripper for some stupid game that they were going to play that morning. But I had to go with him and accompany him to the strip club because I screwed up his chance of getting good audio at the DCU center. So I just sat at the bar with my back to everything because I'm like, I'm young and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I'm here with spaz. That just makes it even worse. Yeah. Um, Let's uh, we we, we can uh, wrap up with. Um, this because I'm curious we're at the end of the uh, calendar year here in the year of our Lord 2023 and um, I'm, I'm guessing at least one of you uses Spotify I do yeah eh, not really okay so Mike did you get like a wrapped for 
I think uh, I think I actually got a uh, just like YouTube music wrapped because I'll I'll you know go on that when I'm working to just play off of that. Okay. Did you get any, Did whatever. you get anything like surprising on that? Uh, not re- honestly, not really. No, because I kind of stay in just one lane, mm-hmm. and it kind of just like, kept me in that lane. So mostly Nine Inch Nails, slightly <laughs> Hamilton. No, 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 no Hamilton. That's, that's her computer. Thank you very okay. much. Uh, Nine Inch Nails and uh, oh Halsey, right Halsey. Uh, yeah. Oh yes, yes. Because the the uh, con- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Saul Williams. Thank you very much. There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, the 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 lone surviving Saul Williams fan. Uh, apparently, yeah. Uh, Chris, what about you? Did you get anything good in your Spotify Wrapped? No, I'm actually just pulling it up right now. Um, I know I'm supposed to say yes and there, but no, because <laughs> um, the problem the problem is. This says I listened to 5,523 songs. I don't believe that um, because uh, I'm trying to get back to the Zoom. Sorry. There you are. Um, What happens is I kind of put on like the same kind of like chill out playlist at the end of the night. Mm -hmm. Like particularly when Elizabeth comes over, she comes over a couple of nights a week and I don't know if it's me or the algorithm that Spotify uses or a little bit of both, but like apparently I listened to Pink Moon by Nick Drake like 10,000 times this year. (laughs) Whenever I would say like, hey, Spotify, like play, you know, play a playlist by this artist. He kind of vibes with all of that. Right. So I really feel like I listened to the same like 25 songs over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um. I've become a uh, uh, the band, the War on Drugs. Oh, I love the War on Drugs. Right, I've become a War on Drug Drugs obsessive. So everything kind of hinges off of that. Um, one of my go tos is Mazzy Star. Uh huh. Um, you know, for like chill out. So like it all kind of points back to Nick Drake. So it's really just kind of the same. It's kind of the same song. So I'm scrolling through now your top songs, 2023, and I've seen Fleet Foxes in here like four times. Nice. Um, so it's a lot of that. So nothing. So nothing really exciting or weird necessarily. Um, nothing that just uh, appears in there because someone else is using your Spotify or no, because nobody really does. The only kind of wild card is. Uh, every now and again, my partner, Elizabeth has a 12 year old daughter and I've got like the Amazon thing in my car. So she'll tell the robot lady in the car to play, um, um, oh God, why am I blanking on the girl's name? Olivia Rodrigo. Okay. So she's like, you know, play Olivia Rodrigo radio. Um, but I don't think that happens enough to really like impact like my never ending flood of like Belle and Sebastian and Sharon Van Etten that I'm looking at. Um, so that's like the only like real wild card. Like I don't have, I'm an empty nester now. Like I'm fucking old. <laughs> so like I'm the only one that uses any of this shit. Um, you know, my kids have their own account and like, you know, my oldest son, like it's all Tyler, the creator, like all the time. Yep. Um, and then, like, you would actually appreciate um, my youngest son, Bowie, um, like, loves pop punk. Um, so, like, so, like, Ed from the Sandbox and I, like, made him, like, a pop punk playlist a couple of years ago. Nice. Um, 
Yeah, mine but yeah, everything that. here is like drive-by truckers and Jeff Buckley and Band of Horses, like yeah. over and over and over again. And all of Which those, is, every single one you've named so far is, in my opinion, tops. It's all great music. I'm definitely not complaining. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, nothing really exciting, unfortunately. I'm sorry to say. Although I did wrap up the year. It's I bought them on vinyl. Um, I'd spent $110 on Peter Gabriel vinyl, so I'm fucking listening to them. Um, that new Peter Gabriel record is wild. I've heard it's really good. And that's the first one. That's like his first album in like how long? In it's like 20 been? years. Yeah. Like He put out up in like 2001. Um, and it's great. Um, so don't sleep on that. Um, but yeah. Um, I should get in the vinyl. I mean, whenever I'm at any no, don't, don't 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 you'll regret it <laughs> why is that so because it's just like you already have stuff pushed against the walls there like you don't need more stuff pushed against the walls and then you're buying turntables and speakers and amps and then you realize that the the cartridge that's on the turn like the the Cartridge on the turntable could be better. So then you're upgrading the cartridge and then you realize that the cartridge is better than the turntable. So then you're updating the turntable and then you realize that this amp really isn't as warm as you'd like it to be. So you're going to buy another amp and then you realize that the amp is too powerful for the speakers. So then you're upgrading the speakers and it just never ends. Mike's, so, Mike's looking at me like, don't give him any idea. Don't do just, it. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's empty nester shit. When, yeah. when, you know, Mm-hmm. yeah just no don't um just no just <laughs> just no <laughs> save, save your money i spent 110 dollars on peter gabriel vinyl it's four records it's yeah. two, and it's the same record twice so like it's the same album twice so yeah. like just like uh, you know well, don't what's the so same album twice is it like an alternate version the, there's two versions of the same record there's a okay, dark it's, side it's, mix it's, and a bright one is the original one is peter gabriel's version <laughs> exactly right it's suicide squad and the suicide squad <laughs> nice um and then there'll be like a peacemaker like remix record in six months um nice but yeah it's you know what you know what you should do do cassettes because they're still cheap hell yeah hell that's yeah. what you should do hit up the savers in framingham and start picking up cassettes <laughs> You uh, mentioned Olivia Rodrigo. She was on Saturday Night Live. I this past fucking weekend. love her. She, I love her. She kicked ass. She, she is the best. Yeah, she. Uh, her performance of All American Bitch. Um, watch it on YouTube if. And like, what it. is what is with like the 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 SNL Live? Uh, like these people doing like because Billie Eilish did the same thing. I think my camera died. Um, with like this, like the live like set pieces that they're that people are doing now. That is, it's really, really elaborate because that's it's something that they never really did until I want to say probably about five years ago. I and think it's so cool. Yeah, they put a they they like they're putting more effort into building the the L- sets. Lauren, Lauren Michaels is getting a little loose. That's why he's like, I'll allow it now. Yeah, I mean, he right. care. He's, yeah, right. He's in his eighties now. Like he's he's got nothing to worry about. He's exactly. set for life. He's got that um. He's like, uh, was it Bob Hope? Someone had like a lifetime contract with NBC. So like they could do literally whatever they wanted. <laughs> whatever he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so same deal. Yeah. He, he's the Bob, he's the Bob Hope of the 21st century. Um, yeah. Uh, like Olivia's set for the second song looked like 
they put more effort into building that than any other set for any other sketch in that episode or probably even this season. Um, but yeah, watch the video on YouTube for all American bitch. It is so, it is so good. And I, Mike, you'll appreciate this. I, I would have given Adam driver my lunch money if he, uh, introduced her as ladies and gentlemen, Paramore. That, yes. that would have been good. Yes. <laughs> um, and he's, he's just enough of a weirdo to have done such a thing. Too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, people have been banned for life because of, uh, antics that they've done during the, uh, the musical guest introductions. Um, Adrian Brody being a, a shining example. Um, I think it was, uh, Sean Paul was performing. So Adrian Brody decided to put on a, um, like a like a Rastafarian like dreadlocks like a oh, wig no. and hat oh no and a wife beater and no. like did this like freestyle like quasi rap oh, thing that no. went on for like twenty seconds with a fake Jamaican accent and then called him Sean Sean John I think he didn't even get oh, his name right and no, sir um and then he was never seen nor heard from again. Yikes. Yikes. Yikes on bikes. Yeah. Like what, at what point did you think that was a good idea? I know. Right. Going back to what no. we were talking earlier about. Exactly. Uh, right. There you go. It seemed like a good idea at the time. All right. Uh, well with that, uh, Chris, I, uh, there's no hyperbole here. When I say this, um, I get really like genuinely excited to do this with you. It's, it's like when you listen to someone on the radio, and you're like, and you yourself like want to get in the radio and then you realize, you know, well, the radio industry is now, but you listen to like, man, it'd be so cool to do something like that with someone. And then you find yourself doing exactly that with that person. It's, yeah. It's, it's always so much fun. And then some, and especially like that, uh, gig that you and I did over the summer with newfound glory. I mean, like you know, I don't take any of this for granted. So I really appreciate you taking time out to hang out with uh, me and Mike. Well, thanks for having me. And thank you for your help. When I do call you and, and, and need help, you're always there to, to, to be helpful. Mike's never done shit for me, but that's okay. right. I never will. That's right. <laughs> um, and I've still got, who, who was the other band that you couldn't make it, but I've got their drumsticks and a guitar pick for you. Oh, I appreciate it. I mean, I think it was uh, uh, a then. Caven, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got, I've got Caven stuff for you. So oh, next thank time you. I see you, okay, um, um, you're gonna have to come and get it because I will never drive to where you live again. Uh, I totally understand, and I'm a maniac who enjoys long drives. Last Friday, I shit you not, I drove down to New York City and back <sighs> in a 14 hour span. I literally drove down there to get dinner with a friend. Mm -mm, mm -mm. No, sir. Yeah, spent more time in transit than I did actually. Mm -mm. with that person and at our destination. So I have no qualms about uh, hoofing it out to Salem. So, um, yeah, anytime, well, one, let me know. One, one, one thing I wish I had done, you know, uh, out of a short list of regrets, but, um, I wish I had, had appreciated our, our P one listeners more when, when we had them. Um, and you know, you, you were definitely one of them and Mike, it sounds like you kind of were too. So just know in, in retrospect and in hindsight, I do appreciate you guys and, um, and, you know, glad that you were there then and that you're still here now. I think it's, I think it's really cool. Um, and it's, it's appreciated and, um, by me. And I know it's also appreciated by, by Ed and Fletcher too. I don't know that Henry even knew you were there, but <laughs> 
I met, but, the, but yeah, but the rest of us appreciate it. So yeah. I met Henry a couple of times. He uh, now you just got to win that lottery ticket, man. I know, right? That is that yeah. I, I I hate to tell you that is that is the plan. So, um, I, I met Henry a couple times, and I remember the first time I met him, he he told me he really like wanted to do like some like radio collaboration with Hillman which I found was fascinating. And, and you know, I was, and I'm like, Oh yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be great. And back in my mind, I really wanted to be like, no, don't do it. Don't Stay do far it. away. Hen Henry is an absolute delight. And I'm um, happy to still count him as a friend. So yeah. Um, um, ba weep to you, sir. You know, I never liked that. <laughs> I, it just, it, it was not for me. I played along because Fletcher and Ed dug it. Yeah. Um, but I, I was, I was not a fan. <laughs> I knew it and I appreciated it and it was fine, but I, 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 I found it annoying. That's why, that's why I do weep, Nini Bong to you boys. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, Mike, thank you for being here. Appreciate you. Thank you for, thanks um, for hanging Mike. You're welcome. Thank you for sitting through, uh, all the, the radio nostalgia and, uh, name dropping. Yes. The name drops that I don't even know. You're like, Oh, why do you know that name? I don't even he know. Was like, how do you know this name? <laughs> I don't even know the names, and I was there. <laughs> All right, boys. All right, appreciate you. And for the rest of you, thank you for listening. Chris, this is when I play the uh, outro pieces. Uh, we will talk at you next time. See you. Bye. Goodbye. may not have happened this has been a presentation of the solid listen podcast network